The following is a CSPN Media podcast presentation. Hi, boys and girls. My name is Tobias Woolborn. Name on Marquee is here. It is. And today, I am in the deck. Well, technically, Avondale Estates or Decatur, depending on which side you're on. But I'm at Wild Heaven, but I'm not here for Wild Heaven. I'm here for the greater good of the state of Georgia. Here with Nancy Palmer from the Georgia Craft Brewers Guild. Nancy, how are you? I'm doing great. I got a really exciting time here for us in the state of Georgia. We are about to uh, get our law that goes into effect September 1st, so... We're just riding the wave. Nice. And by the way, guys, and and I feel bad about this. My goal is to have more ladies on the show. Nancy is now the fourth woman (laughs) to be on the show out of way too many episodes. So I got to do better. And the industry has to do better. So let's get right into that. Let's let's segue into there. I mean, this, this state, how do you feel this state is coming along as far as building diversity, building bonds with different people other than the quote-unquote neckbeards, right? Yeah. I mean, I think this is a challenge that the industry faces across the country. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, I'll say that the young women, uh, women kind of in their in like early 20s to early 30s, actually over-index as craft beer drinkers. Nice. So we are a larger percentage of craft beer drinkers than we are of the population. Mm. And so with women, I think that the issue here is that the female consumer is there, right? We don't have the older female consumer. There's a right. question about how do we how do we bring in women over the age of 35. But then we don't see that diversity necessarily reflected in the production staff mm-hmm. um, of, of any given brewery. Yeah. Um, I do think, though, that we've got several brands in the state of Georgia where if you go on their Facebook page, more than half of their Facebook interactions are women, mm-hmm. more than half of their Facebook followers or likers, same thing right. like in social media. So women are engaging with the brands that they feel comfortable with. And so I think that that's a place where... Just kind of with women, what we need to do is diversify maybe our, our back of house at breweries. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and we've, we've done some of that. You know, Georgia has the only, I don't know if you know this, Georgia has Georgia has the only mother-daughter brewing team in the country. Oh, really? Who, what, what brewery yeah. is that? So the brewery's called Riverwatch. Oh, I have they not are, been over there yet. Yeah, mother-daughter, so, okay. Yeah, so they're in Augusta. Nice. Um, Mom's a 30-year military veteran. She just retired. Wow. And this is her retirement. She wanted to, like, settle down, open a brewery. So they're in Augusta, which is near Fort Gordon. Shout out. Um, and her daughter is doing brewing with her. And as far as I know, they're the only mother-daughter brewing team in the country. Wow, that is awesome. Riverwatch. So... I need to get up with those guys. Connect me with them because I would love to go out and ride up to Augusta. Augusta is a really growing craft beer scene. There's a couple breweries there. And also one of the coolest beer bars in the state, man. What's that place called? The Hive? Yeah. They have like all these taps, like over 100-something taps. They have wine taps as well. And and the cool thing, because it's Augusta, the prices are really affordable, man. So shout out to the AUG. Yeah, so Augusta is actually the second largest city in the state and is 
way underserved when it comes to, mm -hmm. to craft breweries. And so we've got Riverwatch there. And then we have Abbey of the Holy Ghost, the female owner. Yep. We've got Southbound, female owner. We've got female brewers at uh, Monday night and at Sweetwater, I think. Second self. So, yeah, yeah there's one too. Yeah. So, I mean, I think that we're, we're really building that diversity. And I'm just really excited about having women that, are, that, are, that own these breweries mm -hmm. and really directing them and directing the, the artwork and directing yeah. the, um, the kind of attitude and story of these breweries. But I think that Georgia, we didn't have kind of a secondary problem, which is how do we reach out to the Hispanic and the African-American communities. Right. And that's a huge percentage of the population, not only in Georgia, but also in the Southeast. Right. So when you look at nationwide how craft beer is growing... Um, you look at uh, you know places like Portland where you're talking like 50% of the sales are craft beer and that kind of that kind of thing. Similar in Colorado where you get these pockets mm -hmm. where craft beer is really the beer that people drink. Yeah. Um, but you're also talking about very white places. Mm -hmm. And so when the Brewers Association kind of looks at nationwide, how do we build the craft beer brand? You can definitely look at Georgia as a place where. Or, or the southeast generally as a place where there's a lot of market share to be gained, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. We're below the national average on market share. We've got to increase it. And if we're going yeah. to increase in the southeast, you can't do that right. without engaging the African-American and Hispanic population. Right. And that's something that the beer industry nationwide mm -hmm. has yet to really tackle in a way that I think is meaningful. Yeah, and that's very important. That's one of the reasons why I do this podcast. Because um, I, I do it on a black network, CSPN, shout out to them. Classic and Millen, I'm going to do the show each and every week here for you for free if you just, you know, support sponsors and all that good stuff. But, you know, off that is, it is it is something that's real because brewers ask me, and I've been all over the country, and they'll ask, well, how do you get more black people? Hire some. So I think that, <laughs> yeah. that that's a real issue, right? And when you look at hiring, it's not enough to say my hiring process is gender blind or color blind, right? right. You, you cover up the name, you cover up race, gender, age, mm -hmm. right? And that's your hiring process. And you feel like what you've done is a really good job. But that's not actually enough. Like, what you have Facts. to do is you have to go out and actually recruit. Mm. You have to actively engage this population and say, I want you to be part of my brewery. I want you to come and work for me. Because if what you do is just look at the pipeline of people that are coming to you and say, I'm not going to pay attention to race and gender when I hire, well, that doesn't actually matter because you're still going to end up hiring white guys. Right, right, right. Because that's who's in the pipeline. Mm. you got to change the pipeline. And by changing the pipeline, you actually have to do this extra step of going out and recruiting. Yeah. And that's something that people go like, well, that's an extra, that's like extra work. And it's like, yeah, maybe it is, but that's how you actually get to where you want to mm -hmm. go. And when it comes down to it, like, you do want to get there. Right. So part of it is... Well, allegedly, is, some people don't. <laughs> uh, part of it is like for hiring people, you have to you have to go out and actually change what the pipeline looks like. Mm -hmm. And some of that is also changing what your consumer base looks like. Right. When you talk about like... Getting consumers to drink craft beer. You got a couple of options, right? The easiest consumer to get is a consumer that already drinks beer. Mm -hmm. Especially a consumer that already drinks imported beer, so they're used to paying more. Right. So, like, that's the easiest get, right? Mm -hmm. Is, okay, you're already used to paying X dollars per six pack. Let me just transfer you to this local product. Easy, right? Mm -hmm. Then there's moving people that are, like, Budweiser drinkers, Right. But taking people that are not beer drinkers naturally, or like that's not what they that's what what they were their raised culture, on or what yeah. they're used mm -hmm. to, that's a real challenge. And so brewers, I think, get lazy 
and they go, well, it's so much easier to get a beer drinker to just drink different beer right. than to get a liquor drinker or a wine drinker mm. to drink beer. Mm. That's the real challenge, which is where we have a problem with older white women. It's where we have a problem with the African-American population as a whole. I think the Hispanic population is pretty interesting. They are beer drinkers. How do we get right. them to drink craft beer? Um, but there's, you know, there's all of these kind of elements to it that do make it challenging. And, and so it's also about creating products that speak to the culture that you're trying to fit into. Mm-hmm. Without pandering to them. Exactly. Which it's just is, about like a flavor yeah. profile that works, right? right? Mm-hmm. And if people are responding, pay attention and make more of that, you know? And I know that there are breweries that have some beers that, that skew really well with the African-American population, other beers that don't. And like you just got to get people in the door and then start breaking them out and, and looking at, you know, what works for you? What works for your palate? What do you want to drink? And it's like not all beer has to be super hoppy, right. like tear your mouth out stuff. Mm-hmm. Like there's a lot of beer drinkers out there that like bitters yeah. or that like quads, yeah. right? They just never had one. So it's about diversifying right. there's saisons, the products. There's right. so many different styles of beer. Right. Guys, speaking of styles, listen to beer it is on the CSP Network. My name is Tobias Woolborn. And I'm here today with Nancy Palmer of the Georgia Craft Brewers Guild. Nancy, just for people, tell people where they can find the guild, tell people your title, give them a little bit of background on you. So the guild is the uh, statewide trade association that represents all of the craft breweries. So uh, all the breweries, the craft breweries in the state are invited to be members. They pay dues into the organization. That's what, you know, pays my salary and keeps the guild going. And it's just a very important thing for us to consolidate our power right. and consolidate our voice when we're down at the Capitol advocating for what we need, when we're talking to regulatory agencies about what we need. This is our space to educate each other, to interact with each other. And then on top of that, it's our space to have, you know, this kind of political voice right. that's collective. And that's important. What, um, where can people follow the Guild? Oh, so the Guild has a Facebook page. Um, and uh, also you can really the best way to support the guild is to buy one of our t-shirts which you can buy at any of a Georgia brewery support your local brewer hashtag <laughs> always support your local brewer I think yeah. I have those t-shirts in every single color and good, probably get a couple more of them just cause you know when you guys make good beer right. it helps all of us so how many breweries are in the guild as of now so right now we have 47 active member breweries. We have 11 breweries in planning. And when we bring on a brewery in planning, that for us means that that brewery is within about six months of opening. Nice. So that's our membership as far as as far as far brewery members are concerned. Mm-hmm. But then on top of that, uh, we also track brewery, what, what I call breweries and dreaming. Breweries right? and so, dreaming. Right. So I like these that. Are like, these are people who... These are people who reach out to us mm-hmm. and basically say, like, hey, I'm interested. I'm in this town. I think I might want to open a brewery. This is how far along I am. And right now we're tracking 82. Wow. Are you serious? <laughs> yeah. 82 that right. are in dreaming in or dreaming development. And, yeah. Right, exactly. So, yeah. Exactly. So we're not, uh, they don't, they're not members of our organization. They don't pay us anything. But that's just kind of who we're keeping but track they can, of. But they can, come, they can maybe come to meetings and kind of come and be around. Well, you know, so we like to do some uh, some events for them where they can where they can meet some of our members and get some basic information about, like, what you got to do and how you got to yeah. do it. The well, last time we did one was actually uh, at uh, Eventide. And we had, like, 60-something yeah. people show up. And wow. we had... 
So we also have these allied trade members. Mm -hmm. We have 77 businesses wow. that are members of our organization that are supporters of the industry. Mm -hmm. And that's accountants, lawyers, hop guys, malt guys, you know, like barrel guys, nice, nice. POS systems. There's all sorts of people that are supporters of the industry. And so what I do is I get those breweries and dreaming. And then I get the... Uh, I, I get, like breweries and dreaming. That's like, so <laughs> cool. That's dope, man. I get them, and then I get our allied trade members together in a room and basically say, what do you guys need to know? And here are these people that have all the answers. Wow. How much do kegs cost? How do I get a hop contract? All that kind of stuff. When do you sleep? <laughs> I'll be honest. After this legislative session, uh, you know, we've had, to, we've had an opportunity to really, like, look at some long-term planning for the guild. And so, for me, it goes from, like, this, like, crazy day-to-day... To, all right, like, how do we really, like, do some planning and do some outreach and stuff like that? Uh, so it's not nearly as intense for me right now as it usually is during the legislative session. But there were some things you did during that legislative session, <laughs> and we're going to discuss those things. As we come back off the break, we're going to try a couple of things here at Wild Heaven. We're going to talk a little bit about those beers that we tried, and we're also going to get into some new things coming in the state of Georgia. Got stick and stay. Here it is. CSPN. Goodbye, Swoborn. We'll be right back. This is Tim Dog from the Copper Chronicles. Make sure to join myself, Agent 70, Dirt, and Roddy Cat live every Thursday night, 9 p.m. Eastern Time, as we discuss the latest breaking comic book news and also review the new comic books each week, along with discussing TV shows, movies, and much more. And make sure to go to our website, theclicknation.com. You can listen to the Comic Book Chronicles every Friday by subscribing to the Cold Slither Podcast Network. Alright boys and girls, my name is Tobias Wilborn, name of the Marquis, here it is, we are back, by the way, make sure you go to Amazon.com, click on the support the sponsors free on the CSPN link, so that we can keep this podcast absolutely free for you, and so I can go have beer at cool places with cool people like Nancy Palmer, as I am here at Wild Heaven Brewery in Decatur, I mean, I always say support your local brewer, this is my local brewer, it is literally 9.5 miles from my residence, so, yeah, this is my local brewer, and Eric and Nick and that whole crew, shout out to Jacob, shout out to just all these guys who work their asses off, Angela, their storyteller, mm -hmm. who makes these really great things. And speaking of that, I just saw you at an event yesterday. Yeah. Tell us about that event. Let's talk through that a little bit. So, uh, last night at Nine Mile Station, which is this amazing spot on the top of Hot City Market on yes. the roof. Uh, they did a launch for Bestie, which is uh, Wild Heaven's new uh, bitter. Yeah. Yeah. So it's great. ESB. Right? Yeah. So it's basically just like an English pub beer, super easy drinking, 3.8% mm -hmm. ABV. And, like, I mean, it's just one of those beers. I I cannot drink a lot of beer personally. Right, right, right. But I can have, like, two or three of these. And, like, all I want to do is eat, like, something fried with it. Yes, yes, <laughs> yes. And it just, it's one of those feel-good beers. It takes you back to the first good craft beer you had. So it for really you. It really does, yeah. For you, what was that beer for you? 
Um, you know, really, like, when, when I got into craft beer, so I was working at Five Points Bottle Shop in Athens, Ooh. Georgia, and Sachin Patel there is the one who, like, really opened my mind to, like, what beer could be. I was a wine person before that. Nice. Um, and so I think, you know, I've always had an affinity for Wells Bombardier, and that's, a, and that's a beer that, like, really Bessie reminds me of. Yeah. Though I'll say that, like, all of the Sam Smith beers, mm-hmm. those British Sam Smith beers, yeah. the Taddy Porter, the Oatmeal mm-hmm, Stout, mm-hmm. like, I just, like, fell in love with those beers. That's some of the first beers I fell yeah. in love with. And then outside of that, actually, uh, North Coast. Nice. It's one of the first breweries that I that I really got into. South um, and North Coast. Yeah, I really mm-hmm. I really enjoyed their stuff. Like, that was something that I really got into as far as American breweries. Nice. And that was, you know, it's just to start you down a path and you never turn back. <laughs> so, do you remember some of the first good Georgia beers you had? What were some of the local Georgia's? Well, I definitely remember bribing my little brother to help me move in Athens, Georgia by giving him Sweetwater Blue. Nice. I remember that, I remember that for sure. Wow. Um, I still think that Sweetwater's IPA is one of the best made, most under, like, appreciated People don't IPAs. talk about that beer anymore. And it's, I love it's that still beer. a good beer. It's, it's simply made. Right. I mean, it's not like... It's got the great hops. It doesn't blow my mind every time I drink no, no, it, no. but it's so consistent. Yes. It's delicious, and it's really well-structured. Yeah. So that's one of those beers that, you know, I had. And then, and then Red Brick, you know, they're one of our oldest breweries. And with their with their most recent brewmaster, Garrett, mm-hmm. I think that they've produced some really phenomenal beers. And so when I look back at, like, the Shout kind out of, to Garrett, yeah. Right, only, like, the grandfathers of Georgia's mm-hmm. industry, which would be Sweetwater and Red Brick. Yeah. I think that they're both still producing just phenomenal beer that, like, is changing the minds of people all over. Because for me, it was... Atlanta Brewing Company, which became Red Brick later on with the right. with the split with Sweetwater, which that's all the conversation for another day. I just spent two hours talking about yeah. that whole thing, and then of course, um, a man at four five seasons, yeah, Crawford, Crawford, you know yeah. what I'm saying? That all those and guys, and yes, like, yeah, yeah, and, and all there was the blind man. Yes. There was like I can't remember who else. Like that's old, like old, old school stuff. Georgia, <laughs> yeah. But that's but that's where it started. So for me, it was. My first, I guess, crafty like beer was Newcastle Brown Ale. Mm-hmm. And I had it at a bar, oddly enough, Dugan's on Ponce. Okay. Which is so interesting because they had that and they had Killing's Irish Red along with a bunch of other, you know, domestic yeah. beers, right? And I tried a Newcastle Brown. I was like, oh, this is dope. This is really dope. And then they're like, hey, man, there's a local beer that's the same. And so that was the Brown Ale. From oh, wow. yeah, Atlanta Brewing Company, which later on became Red Brick, and then became their Brown Ale. So that was yeah. one of the things. Brown Ale was the style that brought me into craft, and we're sitting here at Wild right. Heaven, who has one of the best Brown Ales. Yeah, out there is the Old Mercy. It's interesting for me, like stouts, like yes. that. But like, it's a weird place to start, you know. Mm-hmm. But like that for me was really like I had some amazing stouts, and then I got into a couple of wheat beers that I really liked, and then from there. You know, you kind of start expanding your horizons. But I think that, like, for most people today, mm-hmm. they get introduced by way of IPA. Yeah, yeah, right? yeah. IPA is the American right. beer now. Right. Which and is so weird because like, it's India paleo. But right. whatever. But still, like, <laughs> yeah. for you and I, whatever, trying getting into this industry 20, year, 15 years ago, you know, that kind of... <laughs> Don't like, age us. <laughs> like, for us, like, it... There were all of these other paths in, and that's one thing that I would I would love for craft beer to revisit. You know, mm-hmm. say IPA doesn't speak to everyone, right. and there's so many other ways 
to get people into craft. You know, some people come in by way of sour beers, yeah. you know, because they can be fruitier and, mm-hmm. and they don't taste like beer, right? Right. Um, but I feel like that's a very limiting category. Like, like if you get into that, like, I don't know like, where you go next. It's so weird because I was just at Funk Collective, mm-hmm. which is a really cool sour festival. Shout out to Birch by South. They were on the show last week. Really cool brewery. And they had about 50, 60 breweries from around the country that basically they took over the festival that was Wicked Weeds yeah. Sour Festival, which that's a whole which other thing. Which fell apart. <laughs> which fell apart. Yeah. I wonder why. But nonetheless, you know, the festival fell apart. Mm-hmm. And so Birds Five South took over. Shout out to Greenville, South Carolina. That's a growing little craft oh, beer. Yeah. Great space. Yeah. Amazing town. Yeah, and they carry a lot of Georgia beer as well. Mm-hmm. And so that's kind of a little mix. And like you got Quest and some of those guys who yeah. are now trying to get down here. So it's a good little exchange, mm-hmm. two hours up 85 mm-hmm. from here in Atlanta. But speaking of that, Georgia's got some interesting things coming up. Yeah. Tell us about September. So, come September 1st, uh, finally, you will... Finally! You will be able to buy beer at a Georgia brewery. Right now, consumers in Georgia might feel like they're buying beer. And sometimes people get confused about this, but like... Right now, you can buy an educational tour that comes with free beer. Mm-hmm. Uh, come September first, complimentary beer. Right, exactly. <laughs> uh, that is that is limited in its ounces and all that kind of stuff. Um, come September first, you can just walk in with like money, and then they can give you beer, and then that's the end of the transaction. Wow. <laughs> and so I don't gonna, have to take a tour. I don't have to talk to people. I can just come in. Buy beer. Give American currency. Right. Maybe buy a taco if you want to. Right. You know, and and be on your way. Nice. Um, you're not kind of forced to do a tour or or buy like a flat rate kind of thing, which is what everybody's doing right, right now. And so I think it's just going to be really interesting. So would it be limits? I know in Alabama, for instance, mm-hmm. you can buy up to like 288 ounces at one time, like mm-hmm. to go. I think in South Carolina, somewhere around there. It's like two cases now. Yeah, in South two Carolina. cases. Yeah. yeah. So for us, the limit is one case to go mm-hmm. per person per day. Um, but then on site, as far as like drinking pints of beer or a flight or whatever, there's not a per person per day limit. Nice. And that for us was just well, we drink responsibly, of course. Right, and it's always like right. and on all of the rules about you know serving intoxicated people, people underage, like all of those apply to us. It really became a challenge that as breweries expand their hours. If somebody comes for lunch and they come back for dinner, like, how are you supposed to track a person from one day to another? Right. Or we have breweries that have physically multiple bars. I'm trying to track a person from that borders a beer over here to border a beer over there. It's just a kind of impractical. And so for us, we just, you know, it's, it's not any different than it is at any normal restaurant or bar. Right. right? Except for the fact that we can only sell what we make. You know, we can't sell anything else, but... As so no guest li- taps oh, and right, that, yeah. Right. But as far as the limits are concerned, it's just about, you know, drinking responsibly, but a, but a customer doesn't have to worry about keeping track of tokens or tickets or wristbands or all that stuff that, that we have to do now. So that's going to be interesting, though, because, like, in yeah. Georgia for the last 10 years that craft has really kind of grown, you could go, you could pay 12 to 15 or whatever the place is charging and they give you tickets or tokens or bottle caps or wrist, whatever it is. Right. The plethora of options they have to right. give you tasty money. Right. right. 
So, like, how are you guys going about educating the consumer on... So, I mean, I think this is a real challenge, you know? Like, consumers in Georgia have gotten used to this crazy system, right? right. And I think some of the really big changes are going to be hours of operation. Mm-hmm. We're going to see breweries open for a lot more hours than they have been. Um, also, there's going to be a diversity of business models, right? Mm-hmm. So, some breweries might do things more or less like how they've been doing it now. Other breweries are going to be open from noon to midnight every day or whatever, mm. you know? Like, so we're going to see a lot of different business models. But the, I think the big thing that's going to, like, blow people's mind is that when you walk in the brewery, you don't have that transaction right up front. Yeah. Many people walk in the brewery, and the first thing they do is have a financial transaction, and then they go enjoy the beer, right? right. That's totally going to change. People are going to come into the brewery. There's not going to be anybody taking their money mm-hmm. at that first transaction. They're going to go to the bar, and the bar is going to have the transaction with them. And so I think that that's going to be a big change. And I think the other thing, breweries are going to have to try some stuff out, right? Well, yeah, because... They're going to have to change. Well, because, for instance, okay, right now, we're recording this at around, like, 1 o'clock and then on a Friday afternoon, and they're brewing beer. Well, except for Eric, because he's over there dilly dally on his phone. He's not right. actually... He's probably emailing people. Yeah, he's emailing people know. and, you know, checking numbers. Because he's not getting his hands dirty. <laughs> no, that's Jacob and those guys getting their hands dirty. But seriously, all jokes aside, um, they're brewing beer here now. And it, right. And it's summer. It's hot. I mean, I'm, I'm sweating, guys. Like, you can see, if you can look and you can mm-hmm. see, like, the sweat is glistening off my body. You know what I'm saying? It is hot. It's in Fuego. Everybody, this is true. He's it not is lying. True. It, it, it is. It's hot out here. So I'm saying that to say, how does a brewery kind of work with that? Because, like, you still got to produce beer because most of these pastry right. rooms are in production brews. So I think there's a couple of challenges here, right? So number one, you got breweries that already exist, mm-hmm. right? But these are breweries that were not... When they opened, when they were built, they never had the idea that people would be coming in and buying beer. Right. Right? So they weren't built with that in mind. So I think for breweries that exist, many of them are opening second locations that are more retail friendly, Mm -hmm. you know, where the old location and the new location will do retail. Yeah. But they'll have one that's more retail focused or Mm -hmm. consumer facing, right? Right. With things like air conditioning. Mm-hmm. And walls. Three walls, yes. Food, maybe, right? Yeah. So, like, there's there's those kind of issues. But for breweries that haven't opened yet, that are being able to build this into their model, I think we're going to see more traditional tasting rooms, mm-hmm. like how you see at wineries or how you yeah. see at breweries in other states. Yeah, breweries where, everywhere else in America. Yeah, Right, mm-hmm. where there's a tasting room that is away from the manufacturing facility. Mm-hmm. And for and for Georgians right now, for a lot of these breweries, they were built as if you're just gonna walk into the actual brewing facility right there. Right, right. Because the tasting room is only open for three, maybe four hours. Right, and you're only two, getting and you're getting educational tours, so you have to have access right. to the manufacturing portion of the you know, and so I think that that's just like a huge piece of you know how breweries are gonna have to kind of adjust. And breweries that haven't opened yet and that have this part of their business plan are going to have an advantage yeah. over breweries that opened never imagining that there would be hundreds of people coming to visit. And speaking of that, we're going to get into that because there's a couple more questions I have about that as well as just a little bit of your background into beer, what's coming next, 
Guys, stick and stay. Beer it is. CSPN. We'll be right back. Hey everyone, this is your man Jeremy from the Crown and Collars Podcast. Just reminding you that you are listening to a CSPN media presentation. And to check out Crown and Collars every Wednesday so we can tell you what your aunt does when you're not around. Alright boys and girls, welcome back to Beer It Is on the CSPN Network. Once again, my name is Tobias Woolborn, and shout out to Classic and Melanie for allowing me to do this show for each and every week. And shout out to you for clicking on those Amazon links, showing love, making sure you connect, and we'll tell you more about how to do that. Keep this podcast free, and keep me allowing to have beer with cool people like Nancy Palmer from the Georgia Craft Brewers Guild. As we sit here in Wild Heaven, you know, one of the many breweries that she represents. She mm-hmm. said you represent 47 breweries yep. in the state of Georgia right now and another God, Google of God, <laughs> uh, that are in dreaming and planning and yeah. premonitions and all that good stuff. <laughs> exactly. I think that's going to be like a big task for us. When I started, there were 15. When I first started working for well, the How long ago was that? How long ago was that? So... Uh, I, I measure it in presidents of the board of directors, and so that's that's like, and that runs on a year cycle. So I'm about to start working for my fifth president. Oh so wow! I came on initially just like part time doing some uh, doing some like kind of consulting fundraising work, mm-hmm. and I think I've been full time now for like three and a half years. Nice, like nice. And then you're still growing, still developing, and yeah. still learning these breweries. So, what are some things you're drinking in the city? Or in a state, excuse me, because it's, it's a state now. I mean. Right, so I'll have to admit, I before I was in this industry, I was a sommelier. Nice. So I come out of the wine industry. Mm-hmm. So when I'm at home, there's definitely a lot of a lot of wine. Fair enough. Um, but for me, you know, I've got some... I, I like drinking, you know, the stuff that is, is new. You know, mm-hmm. I want to know what people are doing. I have to say that one of my favorite new breweries is Arches. Shout out to Arches. I got, I got, yeah. yeah, I got to show them here. Yeah. I, think that, I think that they're doing... I mean, they're doing kind of... Rockers, man. I know, but they're kind of nerdy, yeah. and I'm into that, yeah. you know? Like, they, yeah, they're Jeff, just, Jeff Drake especially. <laughs> he's a weird guy. He listens to the show, so... Yeah, Jeff, you're a weird ass, but anyway. So, <laughs> there's just, like... They just got a lot of commitment to quality, yeah. a lot of commitment to... Uh, they're not just kind of loosey-goosey on that. Mm-hmm. I mean, like everyone else, I'm totally over the moon with some of the IPAs that Scofflaw is putting out. Shout out to I mean, them. I think that yeah. they're just phenomenal. But I mean, there's just stuff that I love from each brewery. You know, Service Brewing Company down in Savannah yeah. does an oyster stout called Lincoln's Gift, and I'm telling you, Ooh. it is the best oyster stout I have ever had. Okay, love right. it. Love I, I need to, it. I need to get down to the SAV because yeah. there's them. And by the way, do so you do anything with the um, brew pubs, or the, is that yeah. a different? Okay. So the brew pubs are members of our organization as well, and and basically our there's Moon River down there, first. right? Yeah, mm-hmm. and and John Pinkerton, yeah. uh, who owns it, was the first president that I worked for. Oh wow! Yeah, wow, wow! So it all so, ties in. Yeah. yeah, exactly. So we've got uh, brew pubs as members, and when you look back at the industry, there was a big brew pub boom mm-hmm. in the late '90s. The brew pub law passed in 1996, so about 1997, 1998. 
we saw this huge boom in brew clubs opening. Nice. And out of that boom, you know, we get breweries like like Moon River. Mm-hmm. We get guys like uh, Max Lager. Where we get all of the Five Seasons brew pubs. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's just like, as far as like industry knowledge. Like, those guys are my historians. Mm. They've been making beer for a really long time, mm-hmm. and they're still winning awards, you know? Yeah. Like, Max Lager's got a GABF medal last year, you right. know? Like, yeah. they're still innovating and doing some amazing stuff. Mm-hmm. So, it's, like, a very different business model sometimes between right. breweries and brew pubs, but the similarities are getting more and more. Mm-hmm. And, like, my brew pub guys have, like, been around a minute, and they know, like, how to yeah. make amazing beer. And that's so interesting because, like, we were just talking about Red Brick earlier, and they have a new head brewer, yeah. Gavin, who came over from Wrecking Bar. Yeah. Which, by the way, guys, if you haven't been to Wrecking Bar, go check them out. Mm. I can't think of too many places that have better food and beer combined. Mm-hmm. I think their stuff is great. I love the hoppy beers that Max Loggers mm-hmm. does. Um, I mean, clearly with Wrecking Bar, their beer is Maximus has, like, made it, yes. like, stamp on the industry. Man, look, when that thing drops every month, it goes crazy. Yeah, it's amazing. Mm-hmm. So for me, like, with what I'm drinking, I still stay in, like, the lower ABV. Yeah. Um, there's not a lot of those heavier beers, but maybe it's something that's just, like, it's summer, too. Like, once it gets into winter, like, I'll I'll pick up a Russian Imperial or, you know, just, like, try out a bunch of different stuff. But and, and even we talk about beer, but you can, you can talk about Cherry Street, Way Up and Coming. And... Oh, yeah. National award winner for right. the U.S. Beer uh, Championships. Like, Crazy. Amazing. Super excited about that. His, uh, the actual Rob Woodall, who is the congressman who represents that district at, in, like, at the federal level. Yeah. I, like, emailed that to his chief of staff. I was like, look, man, like, your district is winning. And they were so excited. That's so dope, actually man. actually coming down in the next couple weeks going to visit the brewery. Oh, wow. And, like, I think this is, like, a really great opportunity for Georgia to say, like, we're winning awards. We're doing awesome stuff. And we're making people proud of their districts. And so, speaking of that, what is your function with the guild? Like, uh, how does that work? Explain that to the people. So, I'm the executive director, first employee, only employee of the Georgia Craft Brewers Guild. And and guilds are okay. So, there's the National Trade Association, the Brewers Association. Brewers Association, BA, yeah. They recognized early on that that each state has such different laws that they needed to foster. Mm-hmm these organizations in each state and so you know we came online the the bylaws were written in 2010 um you know i think we really kind of hit our stride around 2015 Mm -hmm. um and and for us our focus has for the long time has been regulatory compliance and legislative initiatives right Mm -hmm. how do we get compliant with stay compliant with all of the agencies that we've got to get and stay compliant with and then how do we change the laws to improve breweries? And, like, brewery direct sales has just been a huge focus for us. Right. And so um, we've gotten, like, kind of little things along the way. And, and particularly finding ways to improve the brew pub experience, too. Mm. There's a lot of just kind of, like, weird stuff. And the yeah. brew pub, they weren't allowed to sample. Really? Yeah, we had to get that changed. Wow. They weren't allowed to package beer. They could only sell on draft. We got to get so that no changed. So no growlers, no prowlers. But now they can do that, yeah. Right. So we, we were able to, like, move some stuff around in that law. But then, like, the big overhaul for the industry was, like, getting direct sales at breweries. And so, like, that's just been our focus for a while. And now, I you know the southern saying, like, you got the snake under the trash can. Now yeah. what? Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, so, mm-hmm. like, we got it. <laughs> now what you gonna do? Now, so now it's time for us to like really get 
focus and figure out kind of a long-term legislative strategy um, and then maybe get into a little bit of the marketing game, you know? Mm. Uh, other states do technical conferences or they have a big beer festival that's like a state-only mm. beer festival. It appears to me that that kind of tipping point is right around 100 breweries, mm. right? So, like, states like Florida, North Florida, Carolina, yeah, yeah. Mm. Illinois, Wisconsin, like, they've got kind of, like, a critical mass of breweries to be able to leverage, like, a conference and a festival that really, like, works. And so I think that kind of as we add breweries over the next couple of years, we'll get to that critical mass. Nice. And then we can really, like, focus in on doing some really big events. Mm-hmm. All right, so you mentioned Atlanta. Atlanta's blowing up. I mean, how many breweries in Atlanta? Uh, I would say that the, the 20, high 20s. And see, and what's crazy is, like, there's cities like Portland, Oregon that are way smaller. They have, like, over 100, you know? Oh, yeah. Chicago, if you count city of and the burbs, has, like, 180. Wow. And so there's really, like, every neighborhood, every has right. a brewery. I mean, like, I lived in Cleveland, and there's a good 50-some-odd breweries just in Cleveland. That's not even including Akron, where right. there's, like, a bunch of breweries, and Canton, where there's breweries. So it's just there's so much room just in Atlanta. So, but still, but that's my point. Like, Atlanta takes up about half of the breweries in the state, right? Yeah. Oh, for sure. Yeah. So, like, where are some of the other cities in Georgia that are that are so, the next to grow? So, I think, I, I still think Augusta is a very interesting place because of the population there. Yeah. Savannah's got four. Mm-hmm. And I've heard there's rumbling. Southbound, there's right. Service. What else is Savannah? Southbound Service, Moon River, Moon and River. Coastal Empire. Coastal Empire, yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. And then you get up to Statesboro and you've got Eagle Creek Eagle there. Creek. Yep. Right? Mm-hmm. So, I think once it's Statesboro, it could be pretty interesting. Um, Albany. Which is not Albany, it's Albany. The Bainy! <laughs> uh, has a brewery in planning. Really? Yes. It is called Pretoria Fields. I it didn't is know a that. Wow. Farm brewery. They are growing their own grain. They're trying to grow their own hops. Holy shit. It's going to be really cool. They've got like a downtown location plus farmlands. I want to go down and visit. Maybe you and I will go together yeah, let's do that. and I'm check serious. it out. I would love to. Like, I want to go down and visit. I think that Columbus is getting some attention right now that it needs. Yeah. Um, but I'm telling you. Yeah, that military like, population. Um, I know Valdosta had a couple things in planning. Yeah. And so what I've seen is, you know, when I have these breweries in Dreaming that we talked about, mm-hmm. you know, there's a lot of Atlanta, particularly a lot of North Atlanta. But then there's a lot of, like, I'm seeing, like, there's a place called Twin City. I didn't even know that was a place in Georgia. But, okay. But it's down, like, South Georgia, like, Sandersville area. Yeah. It's, mm-hmm. Anyways. Yeah. Um, but I'm seeing places like Canton, Blairsville. Mm-hmm. I know a lot of those, like, places where there's wineries. Right. There's, starting right, there's, there's people that are looking in, like, Perry, Warner Robins. Mm-hmm. Uh, nice. Certainly Macon. Could, could, Macon, yeah. Right? There's, like, a, some great stuff going on in Macon, but there's plenty of room for there to be more. Yeah. You know, so There's a cool-ass growler shop in Macon. Um, I was the name of that place. It is. But it's really cool. They have, like, 100-some-odd taps in the oh, growler cool. shop. Yeah. Have you been really to? Good. There's a there's a cool growler shop in Columbus called Multitude. Yes. Those guys are great. And, like, some of the beer they get is yeah. really legit. Shout right. out to them. Yeah. Yeah, they're doing awesome. Mm-hmm. So I, I just feel like there's, we're getting a lot of interest, like, all over Georgia. And that's really what the September 1st law can do is it's so hard to run a small downtown, small town Georgia brewery mm-hmm. if you can't sell direct to the public, right? Right. If you can only sell wholesale, then being in a remote location doesn't make sense. But if you can sell direct to the public, then you can be wherever you want. Right. 
And so I think that uh, that was a big reason why the Georgia Municipal Association, which is a very powerful lobbying organization in the state, uh, they really helped us out nice. this year. And they said, this is something that cities want. This is something that mayors want. Yeah. This is an important well, part of it, economic development. It makes development. the city a destination. It right. makes them where it can go. Like, right. I look at, I worked in Tallahassee, Florida. And there's five breweries in Tallahassee. Yeah. Nice little college town, but there's five breweries. And they're all yeah. really good. And they all have their own lane. And they're all making money out of the tasting room. Because the state of Florida allows that. Right. And so some of those guys are like, hey, look, we're cool. Just being the brewery for North Florida. Right. And, and and that kind of problem, though, because because breweries can be successful in that way, where they say, I just want to be small. I don't want to get out of my tri-county area or whatever. Like, I'm okay with just being the small-town brewery. Mm-hmm. When you look at places like Thomasville, where mm. it's like, or I could go right over the border, yeah. right, mm-hmm. to border towns like Augusta. Like they can go up, because Augusta can go up in South Carolina and go exactly. out. Exactly. Yeah. They can be in North Augusta. They can yeah. be in Aiken, right? Mm-hmm. But you look at Columbus. Well, people just go straight over the border. Why wouldn't they be in Alabama? Or you look at places like mm. Blairsville. Why wouldn't they be in North Carolina or Tennessee? Mm. Um, and so for the border towns, I think that this is going to be something that actually gets Georgia competitive. Because I don't know how... Like, if, if you're trying to get somebody to come into commerce, like, why they aren't going gr- Greenville? You know, like, yeah. how are you trying to convince them? Because they can make more money in any other state than they can make here. Wow, wow. And so Atlanta's got this population density, but I think for border towns, they've always had a hard time getting people to open there. Yeah. Because economic opportunity is so much better across the state line. Mm-hmm. And that's real, because like I said, I, I live in town, and I know a lot of people would go, because some of it was like a 50-minute drive. Yeah. And it's an easy it's an easy drive. Sure. And so yeah, why wouldn't somebody from Thomas who wants to go drink some beer go to Proof or go to Grasslands or some sure. of those spots down there instead of going to a local spot? Right. Or not even have like, the or opportunity. why would somebody open, open a local exactly. spot? Exactly, why open there? When they know that they're competing exactly. with breweries that can make so much more money. Yeah. You know, just across state lines. And that's the thing, like so this big September first law change. Georgia's the last 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 state in the country to do this. So, come September 1st, like, every single craft brewery in the country is going to be able to sell beer direct to the public. Georgia's are going to be the very last ones to join those ranks. And that's going to be the great equalizer so that our breweries can be competitive and our mm-hmm. cities can be competitive with all the states that border us. Mm-hmm. When you look at Florida, they started selling beer at breweries in, like, the mid-60s. Yeah. Right? And the law was passed in Alabama, like, four years ago. South Carolina, five years ago. Tennessee is, like, the mid-80s. Mississippi. I mean, so, like, you don't want to be behind Alabama Mississippi. You really don't. <laughs> so, for us, like, this is a big opportunity to get competitive with breweries that have, what breweries have been able to do in the states that border us for years. And that's crazy. And there's so much more. Guys, we're going to take one more pause for the cause. We'll be right back. And I know Nancy's got a lot of things to do, so I'm not going to keep it too much longer. Guys, a couple more questions. We'll be right back on Beer It Is. Hey everyone, this is Classic of the CSPN. Do you like the podcast that you're hearing so far? Well, you can help us out. Keep our podcast free for you by shopping at Amazon. 
visit our website, cspn.us. Then click on the Keep Our Podcast free link at the top of the page. From there, you can shop for music, books, Blu-rays, DVDs, toys, jewelry, apparel, and much more. All with the discounts, quality, and shipping reputation that Amazon has to offer, and all through the CSPN. So, help us out. Go to CSPN.us, click on the Keep Our Podcast free link, and shop at Amazon through us. Do it today. Boys and girls, once again, this is the last segment of Beer It Is for this week with Nancy Palmer of the Georgia Craft Brewers Guild. She's the executive director of that fine organization that allows, that assists Georgia brewers in getting laws passed, getting understanding of regulations, and kind of just putting it all together as well as spreading the gospel, as we say in the South, mm-hmm. of the good brands and the good beer in this fine state of Georgia. So, from there, something a little bit about, like, what's it like kind of talking to these legislators mm-hmm. and these lieutenant governors and all these different people? Um, I mean, so politics is really interesting. And it wasn't something that I knew that I was interested in or mm-hmm. until I, you know, took this job and it became clear that that was part of what we needed to do. Um, I'll tell you that uh, the legislative process, I don't know, like I've always been like a political person. Yeah. Um, I like I would have told you that I like know how things work, but until you're in it, you, you have, have no, no idea how things work. <laughs> you think you know. Right. So, I mean, I think for the most part, you know, one of the challenges that any state legislature has, and particularly ours, is, like, the guys that are down there, like, this isn't their full-time job. They all have real jobs, you know? They're not getting paid enough to, like, do this as their only job. Mm -hmm. And so, for them, there's a lot of just education that has to happen. I mean, heck, even if I could afford to be a year-round legislator, like, I don't know anything about electricians or the licenses you need to do art renovation mm. or like whatever like all this cre- much less like education policy healthcare the budget like they have so much they have right. to know and so for me like it's crazy like when when you imagine like of course they don't know not like every one of them knows what a craft brewery is or the difference between a craft brewery or a big brewery right. and a lot of them don't even understand the three tier system and it's like mm-hmm. of course not because my god they have so much you information yeah. that they've got to hold in their heads <laughs> and so that was a big like, eye opener for me it's mm-hmm. just educating like mm-hmm. hey this is a craft brewery this is what it does and depending on who you're talking to you can talk about the agricultural angle mm-hmm. say like this is how much agriculture we use mm-hmm. or you can talk about the fact that this is light manufacturing these are good jobs you know like more than ten dollars an hour like good jobs in yeah. manufacturing mm-hmm. um or mm-hmm. you can talk about like how these guys are just excellent corporate citizens right. or, or the water depending on right, yeah. like mm-hmm. depending on who you're talking to yeah. everyone it's just craft beer is such an interesting industry because it is production manufacturing mm-hmm. that drives tourism mm-hmm. and that is like can you? Is there any other factory you want to visit? No. Like, <laughs> exactly. No. No, it really isn't. Uh, right. Like you know, like I don't need to go see how they make ketchup. Like I'm cool. Yeah, I'm like, good. I yeah. don't need that. And there's only so many free ketchup samples you're gonna want. One. But exactly. Beer. Yeah, you can go and drink some beer. Right. And so that's the thing that like 
it's a very difficult industry to understand because mm -hmm. of that. Because it's manufacturing, it's tourism, um, and and on top of that, it's this very regulated business called alcohol, right? Yeah. So it's just super complicated. And a huge part of what we've done over the last few years with legislators is just education. Who we are, what we do, come see a brewery, come visit a brewery, you know, like physically see what it is, what it looks yeah. like. You know what I would love to do? is get a group of legislators to come and, like, make a beer. Mm. Wouldn't it be cool to, like, have, like, I don't know, like, even have, like, a group of, like, Democrats and a group of Republicans, like, each come in and, like, to a brewery and, like, make a beer. Nice. Like, and then, like, have, like, a... They do this in Colorado. Mm -hmm. Like, where they'll have, like, the Republican caucus and the and the Democratic caucus, like, mm -hmm. make a beer, and then they'll do... People will vote. Which one's the better beer. Which one's the better beer. That could, you know exactly. what? Hey, that we, be should, fun? we should do that. We should make that happen. And, like... Pick a brewery that does it, or you know, like they do like the greatest small beer for um, the brew right. association, where everybody gets the same recipe. Exactly. And then right. See what you. Oh, we've do also with talked it. about doing like rolling recipe, yeah. where where we we literally try to put like forty seven ingredients in. Like every brewery has to pick an ingredient, and then that's the recipe. Nice. There's, there's all sorts of like options with stuff like that. But that, but that's what makes it fun because everybody's growing, everybody's learning, and everybody's developing. Right. So. It's a very collaborative industry. People say, are people worried about competition? And we all know that, like, Budweiser and Miller, like, that's the competition. Right. It's not each other. And so, ooh, that's, that brings about an interesting question. Mm -hmm. So, there is, a, there is a brewery that, in the state, that is affiliated with Miller Coors. Yes. Are they still involved with the guild? No. Unfortunately, um... And I'll give them a tremendous amount of credit. They paid their annual dues, and retrospectively, at the time, they they knew what was probably going to happen. Mm -hmm. um, but they still paid their dues, and and, a lot, and we kept, you know, we, we were able to use that as our budget that year. Wow! Um, the, Respected them for that, right? Yeah. And it was a very interesting time for our guild because, I mean, it was just a it was a it was a real challenge and it was a space where I was kind of surprised where my board was I was kind of surprised where I was on it and it's something that guilds across the country are the dealing with yeah. right but for us what we decided was that our bylaws that we wrote back in 2010 made it clear that they were no longer considered a craft brewery mm. so um, instead of can't be in the guild if you're not a craft brewery yeah. so instead of changing the bylaws which we could have done right we could have created another membership class or changed the bylaws or done something like that. Our board just felt very strongly that we don't want to be reactionary in these situations because it's going to happen again. Right. And it's going to happen again and it's going to happen again and it's going to yeah. happen again. So what's the best thing for us is to be consistent and say these are our bylaws, this is what they say, and we can only have people in that, you know, make sense as far as our bylaws are concerned. Yeah. So, so you guys go by the Brewer Association um, definition of craft brewery? So when we, yes, except uh, the Brewers Association moved up to 6 million barrels with, a def with their definition. Ours still is 2 million barrels. Right. And we don't have the same references to the traditional. So basically for us, a craft brewery is any brewery that makes fewer than 2 million barrels in all of its locations combined. Okay. And right now, I mean, nobody in Georgia... Well, is there somebody in Georgia that's, that's hitting that two million or? No, so um, 
when you look at a brewery like Sweetwater, that's our largest brewery, they're like 250,000. Wow. Right? So this is where it's really interesting. Like people don't realize like scale-wise how different things mm-hmm. are. But basically like Okay, so there's a Budweiser facility in Cartersville, Georgia. That yeah. Makes, that makes Budweiser. Mm-hmm. Their capacity and what they make is about 9.5 million barrels a year. Wow. Right? And then the next biggest brewery, my biggest brewery, is Sweetwater mm-hmm. at 250,000, right? So there's probably not 9 million barrels of beer being made in Georgia combined with. So for us, we represent... We actually make a lot of... Sweetwater really bumps up our numbers as far as volume. In Georgia, we make a lot of craft beer. Mm -hmm. But as far as, like, the overall amount of beer that's made in Georgia, like, we're still a super small percentage of it. Basically, just the Budweiser plant makes in about two weeks what all of my breweries make combined. In a year. In a year. That's crazy. Yeah. But, and that's including Sweetwater, that's... On right. these Delta flights right. and all over, yeah. in what, 30-some-odd right. states? So people, yeah. people think about it and they think, like, oh, I see Sierra Nevada everywhere. I see Sam Adams everywhere. I see Sweetwater everywhere. But, like, you realize, like, Sweetwater is, like, 25% the size. Like, Sierra Nevada is four times bigger than Sweetwater. Right. And just the one plant in Cartersville is nine times bigger than Sierra Nevada. Ooh, that puts it. And that's just, that's just one right. of Budweiser's many plants. Mm-hmm. And that's just, so, and that's what goes to show you. Like, right. there's so much room to grow in craft beer when you when you put it in those plain numbers. So thank yeah. you for doing that. Because that's something I've been trying to explain to the audience. Like, no, like it's, it's not as big as you think. Yeah, fine. You see Sweetwater out of places, but they just but recently like, got up north. They hadn't been that long. I mean, right. and it's nothing compared to like to like Budweiser. And this is the other thing that's very interesting for the big domestics. About 90% of their business is packaged beer, right? So you're thinking, like, convenience stores, grocery stores, that kind of stuff. Yeah. And only 10% of it is draft, like, at a bar, Interesting. But for craft beer, the split is more 35-65 or even, like, 40-60, right? Right. So the draft beer is a huge part of the the craft beer, like, mentality and business model in a way that it is not for the big guys. Mm -hmm. But for people that are going to bars and going out drinking and they're drinking on draft then nine times out of ten yeah it is a craft beer because like that's the focus of this industry is like Mm. draft beer on at restaurants bars whatever right but like you go into like a a convenience store or like a mexican restaurant in valdosta or whatever like it's just bud miller products maybe yeah that's it or 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 something like that right which is still like owned by one of these multinationals so that brings another question um Ooh, interesting. So here's here's my thing, yeah. right? So, city of Orlando, for instance, mm-hmm. they have like eight or nine breweries in that city. You will not see their stuff on tap. Interesting. Well, you know why? Because Orlando is a tourist town. So AB and Miller Coors would rather you drink Lang and Kunels or whatever mm-hmm. than drink the local Orlando beer. They don't even want people who from out of town to even try local right. beer. So it's really hard to find local beer. How do you fight that in this state? Or is that a problem in this state? I think that it could be a problem in this state. I mean, and that's always... So much of, like, how the beer laws are set up mm-hmm. 
uh, are meant to protect against Budweiser and Miller doing pushing up putting a lot of influence on retailers mm -hmm. and essentially owning them like how Coke and Pepsi own retailers right right, right. that's a Pepsi account that's a Coke account those are your only mm -hmm. two options right right and and so what so much of the laws around this industry are trying to do is prevent basically every bar and restaurant from being a Budweiser account or a Miller account and right. that's it nobody else can get in right, right? well I mean but, oh that's what that's what's going on in the ballpark right now though. Right, and so there's a bunch of, like, there's some ways around it, and but ultimately, like, the diversity of the beer market, as far as the number of products that are available, um, Whole Foods isn't a Budweiser account. Right. You know? And Applebee's isn't a Budweiser account. Right. You know? And Taco Mac isn't. Yeah. Like, you can get in there, right? It's not to say that every brewery has, like, a 100% fair shot all the time. It's not to say that there's not influence and stuff like that and, and but on the whole like wild heaven can to kroger that's yeah. awesome yeah. i mean there's a lot of diversity in the marketplace and that matters and so, like and so consumers have to continue asking for that and wanting that mm -hmm. which i think that consumers do but then regulators and and brewery owners and everybody in this industry has to recognize that like that's why these laws are written the way they are mm. and they do provide protections to make sure that the marketplace is like fair and like diversified and there's a lot of advantages to that right guys like I said I, we can, I can talk with Nancy all day but we both got to get out of here <laughs> Nancy again tell us where people can find the crappers get on Twitter Facebook and all those other fine places and how can they support the guild so you can go to georgiabrew.com, right? And georgiabrew.com is where you can check out everything that the Guild is up to. You can see a brewery map. You can see our allied trade partners. If you happen to be a brewery and dreaming, uh, you can go As to the... <laughs> I like brewery and dreaming. Yeah. You can go to the join link, and uh, there's a link for breweries and dreaming where you can put in your email address so that I have your contact information uh, for the kind of events that we do. And you can check out our Facebook page as well. So guys, listen... Support the Georgia Craft Brew Guild. Hashtag support your local brewer. Guys, this has been Beer It Is. And by the way, I'll give you real quick my Beer of the Week. The Kalista IPA here at Wild Heaven. Single hop. Glorious. It gives you that... I hate the word juicy <laughs> for describing beer now, but that's kind of what it gives you. Real floral, real effervescent, beautiful beer. Looks good. And shout out to their bestie Pub Ale. 3.8% Pub Ale. It is what it is. It is a true beer in the old-fashioned sense. Check out Wild Heaven. Thank you so much for them for having us. Even though Eric's he is what he is. Nick Purdy <laughs> is what he is. But seriously, no, those guys really allowed you space. Nancy, thank you so much for doing this. Thank you for having me and asking such awesome questions. All right, guys. Here it is. We're out.